Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. If you're exposed to a lot of air pollution, you don't need to wait around for the EPA to sample your air quality. At least not anymore. Today on the podcast, we talk about fence line communities, citizen science, and what this all means for polluters. Hello, and welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So averages can be a really cruel mathematical concept. Think about it. If the average temperature of your microwave pizza is perfect, that sounds great. But it could also mean that parts of the pizza are still frozen and other parts are tongue-meltingly hot. That's a lesson that I've learned the hard way multiple times. Along those same lines, you may live in a state that meets the federal air quality standards on average. But if you live right next door to a factory that spews pollution 24-7, you might be getting exposed to way, way more toxins than the average person. The Federal Clean Air Act is supposed to account for this type of disparity, but it's the kind of law that's only as good as the data that you feed into it. So now, as Bloomberg Law's Jennifer Hijazi recently reported, some people who live adjacent to big sources of pollution in places known as fence-line communities are taking matters into their own hands and using new inexpensive air monitoring devices to find out exactly how much pollution they're really exposed to. This has the potential to open up a Pandora's box of legal liability for the companies that operate these industrial sites, and we'll get to that in a bit. But first, I asked Jennifer to explain to me what fence line communities actually are and who lives there. Yeah, I mean, these could be communities that are in proximity to a factory, industrial metal shredder plant. They could be on the border of an oil refinery. They could also be on the border of a highway. Fence line communities as a term of art can mean any type of community that is neighboring a major source of pollution. And as we know, these communities are largely low income, low wealth communities of color. That's interesting. I didn't realize that, that it's not just communities next to a factory. It could also be a highway, which, yeah, is is a really big source of pollution. Right. Um, So I always thought that the Clean Air Act was really, really strict in terms of, like, requiring the EPA to monitor these pollution levels really closely in these communities. But you spoke with some people who said that it's actually not as strict as you would think and not nearly strict enough. Can you explain that? Yeah. So the... Clean Air Act has done marvelous things for our air quality, you know, since it was crafted, since it was finalized in the 70s. But it really only manages criteria air pollutants and hazardous air pollutants uh, up to a certain degree. So 
it regulates pollutants in the ambient air for states. So national ambient air quality standards will track criteria air pollutants like particulate matter and things like that on a statewide level or um, hazardous air pollutants um, on a permit to permit level. But in terms of regulating hazardous air pollutants for certain fence line communities that are right on the border of these facilities, that's where the Clean Air Act kind of stops short. So for a lot of these communities that may be in a state that is meeting ambient air quality standards, national ambient air quality standards, um, a lot of these communities are still arguing, well, yes, so our state might be in compliance, but we are on the border of a facility that's still emitting all of these you know, um, toxic pollutants into our general vicinity, uh, vicinity. So even though they may be within their permit requirements, they're still releasing a lot of stuff that's affecting the surrounding community. Well, right off the bat, I mean, I can just see some really obvious problems with that. Like for a state that's really big geographically, let's say Montana or something like that, it'd be really easy to meet air uh, pollution standards for the entire state. But if you're living next to a huge emitter, that's still going to be a really big problem. And the according to the Clean Air Act, everything's fine. It, it, am I getting that right or am I am I mischaracterizing it? Yeah, it's it's more like according to the Clean Air Act, you know, a state and you know, or or on a facility level could be meeting their permit requirements or their national ambient air quality standards. But for these communities right on the borders of, you know, facilities, refineries, everything is not fine, even though, you know, on a surface level, on a legal level, the Clean Air Act is doing its job. And when we say everything is not fine, let's actually define what we're talking about here. I mean, you know, you mentioned uh, particulate matter. That's one air pollutant, but there are a lot of others. Um, What are these pollution, what are these air pollutants that we're talking about and what can they do to your health if you uh, are exposed to too much of them? Yeah, there's... So under the Clean Air Act, they're kind of the pollutants are split into two major categories. There's hazardous air pollutants um, like benzene, things like that, uh, and then criteria air pollutants, particulate matter, um, ozone, uh, smog, things like that. Depending on the pollutant, it does different things. So communities that are living on the fence line of facilities that say are emitting, you know, particulate matter and benzene, like we're looking at long-term health effects and short-term health effects, uh, depending on what the chemical is. So long-term health effects, we're looking at um, pulmonary problems, heart disease, things that, you know, folks go to a hospital for and, you know, on a death certificate, it says heart disease, but at the end of the day, they've been exposed over a long period of time to these chemicals that are regulated, but, you know, within a certain community are still really concentrated. Or... That's a that's a, a really good point that you don't see, you don't read a lot of obituaries that say so and so died of air pollution. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. And you know, as we know now, like air pollution kills millions of people a year all over the world, and um, short term health effects uh, can range from stomach aches, nausea, headaches, trouble with vision, all kinds of all kinds of nasty stuff. And, you know, it's also, again, you already mentioned this, but it's, it bears repeating that the communities that live in these fence line areas are typically lower income, often minority communities that already have issues with access to health care. Uh, so this just can kind of compound those issues, right? Absolutely. Cumulative effects. Uh, so let's get into your story. Um, you know, we've talked about on this podcast before a very long time ago that uh, air monitoring technology is getting cheaper and cheaper and more sophisticated and more sophisticated 
And uh, it sounds like communities, uh, some of these fence line communities, are taking this matter into their own hands and are gathering their own data. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, I spoke to uh, Juan Flores, who's managing an air monitoring network for Airlines Houston, for example. So um, that's an organization that's run out of Texas. And he is at the helm of this program where they're actually installing different types of purple air monitors and APIS air monitors all over, uh, all across five communities um, in like the Pasadena area, Galena Park in Texas that are, you know, particularly Pasadena, right on the border of refineries and, you know, really polluting facilities. And I think he, there was a quote in your story where he said that, you know, when he was growing up, they called Pasadena Stinkadina. Right. Yeah. And he mentioned that, you know, these facilities that are permitted to operate in this area under the Clean Air Act, you know, the all of the legal checks are all of the legal boxes are checked. But, you know, one day there's a flare or a big chemical release and the surrounding neighborhood can literally smell the chemicals in the air. It's giving them headaches. It's giving their kids nausea. But, you know, by the time he said that by the time an official comes out, Sometimes, oftentimes, days later, there's no proof that, you know, a pollution spike occurred. And so this is kind of their way, he said, of putting the data back into their own hands and not only being able to use them for, like, future legal challenges. That's all down the road. But, you know, putting it into a dashboard where community members can actually see what's in their air and for them to be better informed themselves about what kind of things they're being exposed to. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This opens up a whole host of questions. Um, let's start with the legal questions. Uh, can this be admitted into court? Like, could could the people who live in these areas and are gathering these um, this data with their own air pollution monitoring could they 
go to court and either sue the companies who own the factories or sue the EPA and say the Clean Air Act is being violated here. Is that a thing? It could possibly be a thing, but not quite the thing you just mentioned. I think we we haven't, well, we first of all have not seen this type of case or this type of data being used for that kind of thing yet. Uh, One of the lawyers I spoke to is just was like, this is a case by case basis kind of thing, depending on how people use it. Theoretically, people could sue under nuisance law under the Clean Air Act. So this, you know, factories or facilities emissions are creating a nuisance in the surrounding area that's infringing on my quality of life kind of thing. Uh, Theoretically, you could have a community that is using really sophisticated monitoring technology on the fence line of uh, these facilities and could compare that data that they were measuring ambiently in their own community with federal ambient air data, which is required under the Clean Air Act, like we discussed. And, you know, if a facility was trying to come into the, a new facility was trying to come into the area and be like, we'd like a permit here, theoretically, they could bring that data to the EPA and say, well, you know, we're already faced with a lot of cumulative pollution impacts already. Here's the data we have compared, you know, our ambient data compared with federal ambient data. Yeah. I mean, I think that it just seems like it's a whole new world now that that getting air monitoring data doesn't require like numerous PhDs. It's you can almost even like buy off the shelf technology and just sort of prop it where you want it to be and, and get some pretty good quality data. That's what it sounds like, right? In some cases, yeah. But, you know, that is that is also the problem of it. Like, you can, like, people are more and more exposed to what they are exposed to. Um, but quality control, I, I think in terms of the legal challenges to bringing this kind of data, you're looking at quality control challenges. Um, a lot of lawyers that I spoke to mentioned, you know, how do you parse out attribution of these emissions in like the soup of ambient air. Uh, You've got a facility in between like a freeway and a refinery and they're measuring ambient air in the community and it's just all of the pollutants from both sources. How do you use that data against like a single source when a lot of sources are contributing to a pollution in area? So there are a lot of challenges that will need to be worked out, I think, in court for this kind of thing. That's a really good point that I hadn't thought about, that a lot of times we're not just talking about a fence line community. We're talking about a fences line community because there are multiple sources of pollution that are affecting this one community. So, yeah, that that can be really, really hard to say. This is the cause of the pollution. Tell me about the reaction to this from the industry, from from industry, I guess. Um, You know, I think you quoted one person as saying that, you know, this is just going to be a new normal. Like we have this people are going to be able to get this data. We can't stop them. We're just going to have to sort of address it and live with it. That the idea that we can dismiss this data out of hand is is ridiculous. Yeah, it's well, you know, EPA for its part is has mentioned community air monitoring as a an initiative that can be pursued as part of its environmental justice goals. So they just released I think like 20 million dollars in grant funding this week uh, for community air monitoring projects for instance. Um, I can't speak for industry but you know the lawyers that I spoke to said you know this is kind of an inevitable problem people are already 
Uh, one lawyer mentioned that he's had folks bring in like uh, wristband monitor data that actually like culled data from like their personal ambient air and brought that into litigation, things like that. Um, but, you know, and, and yet another source I spoke to is like, you know, it kind of behooves industry to just start doing this work themselves, not only because it's an inevitability, because it's just something that a lot of people are doing now. You can get purple air monitor sensors on Amazon. Um, but it's also just, you know, being good stewards of the area that you're in by, you know, having a firm handle on your emissions profile and not contributing to these cumulative effects that are you know, devastating communities that are, again, in areas that may be under Clean Air Act compliance, but are really suffering, like from source specific pollution that's just not going anywhere. And then finally, one last thing I wanted to ask you about is the Biden administration. Uh, you just mentioned that the EPA has released some grant money for to help uh, sort of citizen scientists uh, do this kind of thing. Does that indicate that the Biden administration is in favor of this, that they want more data out there, they want more local monitoring because I could also see that the EPA would not be thrilled with this uh, because they do not they no longer have the monopoly on data about air quality. What what is the EPA and the Biden administration's uh, stance on all of this data? I am not going to speak for the EPA and the Biden administration on their stance, but um, I think in supporting this kind of work, it's it's not any kind of violation of the Clean Air Act because, again, the Clean Air Act doesn't cover this kind of like source by source specific monitoring. It's not that they're, you know, relegating their legal duties under the Clean Air Act to someone else kind of thing. Um, so in terms of good ways to enforce environmental justice priorities, community air monitoring, particularly with an emphasis on letting people know what is in their air, like giving citizens like more of an idea of what they're exposed to on a day-to-day -day basis makes total sense. So um, I think, yeah, initiatives like the community air monitoring funding, and I, I think part of some of that funding is also going to go to like local air agencies doing that kind of work and, you know, cooperating with tribes and communities and organizations to do that kind of stuff. So... That makes sense. I guess it's, you know, from the EPA's perspective, it's like we don't need to be the only ones who can monitor air quality. In fact, it actually takes a lot of the burden off of us if we can have, you know, everyone monitoring their air quality, even on their with wristwatches, you know, that monitor air quality. So it's I guess the EPA is is, you know, maybe their perspective is the more, the better. The more people know, the better. Certainly. I think everyone can agree on that. All right. Well, uh, that was Jennifer Hijazi speaking with us uh, here at Bloomberg Law World Headquarters. Uh, thank you, Jen, for talking with us. I really appreciate it. Thanks, David. And that's it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. If you want more environmental news, check us out on Twitter. We use a pretty easy-to-remember handle. It's just at environment, just that. I am at David B. Schultz. That's B as in burning your tongue on pizza. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself, David Schultz. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle and is edited by Rebecca Baker and Chuck McCutcheon. And our executive producer is Josh Block. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You don't need to be a judge to be interested in our nation's laws and legal institutions. Just like you don't need to have a law degree to be curious about the inner workings of courts, law firms, and law schools. That's where we come in. My name's Adam Allington, and I'm the host of Uncommon Law, a podcast from the Bloomberg Industry Group. 
Uncommon Law is where public policy, storytelling, and the law are combined. We explore big topics ranging from tech policy to free speech to race and gender diversity. So please give us a listen. You can subscribe and download today. Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.